Welcome to Do It For The Gram and Enneagram Podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram. We make moves to improve our lives and those in our community. As you know, I've been on a series honoring women in the Enneagram space who are doing amazing, incredible work. And today that continues with one of the most interesting, amazing, like strong-willed, bringing the energy, a force and a beautiful force that she brings into changing communities in the world. And so I want to introduce Jessica D. Dixon. Please share yourself. Introduce yourself, please, Jessica. First, I need to say that was the best way that anyone has described me. And can you please like do my bio and talk about me in every space that I enter because wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. You're welcome. For those of you, of you who do not know me, my name is Jessica Denise Dixon. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I currently reside on unceded Kumeyaay land in what is known as San Diego, California. I'm a black woman. I'm an Enneagram eight. I am descended from the enslaved on both sides of my family, which I state because it shapes so much of how I see the world. And I both carry the trauma and resilience of my ancestors. And I am very proud to be related to them. Let's see, what do I do in my work? I combine Enneagram with anti-racism with embodiment work, because I believe that at those intersections, we pursue and find liberation within our communities. So that is a little bit about me. Ooh, let's go intro music. love the Enneagram? Are you serious about growing and being liberated? Do you love to learn and grow in a safe community? Well, my Kaizen Community Enneagram program is perfect for you. I teach 12 weekly classes on Thursday night. I am only taking around 15 people. I would rattle off more details and all the benefits, but I'm pretty sure you would rather read them and get back to this episode. So simply go to kaizen-enneagram-community.mn.co or check out the show notes or find the IG page bio with the link tree or go to kaizencareers.com to find out more information. Learn and grow in safe community with others who love the Enneagram. Sign up while spots are still available. Hope to see you there. All right, so I absolutely, absolutely love your intro as well. Like all the different like identifiers and descriptions of self, because they say so much richness about like where we are, where we come from, how do we show up? Oh my goodness, I love everything you were saying. I was like, ooh, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna start taking notes, and I need to put my stuff down. They need to. I love that. I absolutely love that. So this is. So you mentioned that you do the Enneagram and anti-racism work, liberation work, and you also do, uh, you mentioned one more thing. Embodiment. Embodiment work. So can you share like the importance of both of those and why you do them with the audience? So for me, I started to be, I started to see as I was doing Enneagram work and I was doing anti-racism work that there was something that was maybe missing in the conversation. And it was a connection to the body. When I was working with my clients and, uh, you know, my first program was, and it was called Disrupt the Narrative. And it was about just disrupting our bias using our Enneagram type. And I would ask my clients to listen to what their bodies had to say, what like what is true, what is your intuition telling you, all of those things, there would be so much reactivity and a sense of like, why are you asking me about my body? And I realized how disconnected people were, but specifically these were white clients that I was working with. And I started to realize, even though I had done my own personal embodiment work, 
that people really needed a grasp on what was happening in their bodies, that there was this deep disconnection. And the more disconnected from our bodies we are, um, the easier it is to stand for other people being dehumanized and for to see others, some as worthy of hierarchy and positioning and power and seeing others as unworthy, that some of this stems from a literal disconnection from our relationship to our bodies. And our bodies are so important because our bodies, you know, without, without our body, we don't have a head center or a heart center, right? We have, we have to start, we start there. When I'm teaching the Enneagram, I always start with the type eight because baby, we start with the body. You know, if we don't have that, we're not doing anything else. And so when I see people like intellectualizing the Enneagram, I'm like, those conversations can be fun. And I am a nerd. So I love the theory and the concepts and all of that stuff. But the real work is going to be embodying the things that we're talking about. And so embodiment becomes this hallmark thing that actually moves us from just thinking about liberation and actually um, actively pursuing liberation. And we do that first by pursuing it in our nervous systems. Like how have we been conditioned? Um, how, what is our body's reactivity based upon our Enneagram type, which our type like leaves itself into our nervous system. It gives us sensitivities. So as an eight, when I'm moving close to um, feeling like someone is going to control me, what does that do? It sends me into a fight response because you're not going to take my autonomy. I'm not going to let that happen. Right, that is a trauma response. That's a body-based response. And so, if we don't understand what's actually happening in our bodies, and we don't understand what's happening in our nervous systems, it actually makes it much harder for us to be able to move forward. And understanding that gives us more access to understanding how our resistance to anti-racism work actually shows up. So they are not different processes because we are one human being. And so what I see often within the Enneagram community is this splitting of person. You know, we think of, we think of, or, or it, within the Enneagram community, I wouldn't, I won't say we, I would say the Enneagram community <laughs> often thinks of people as a disembodied type. Like you're just your Enneagram type, a no-bo-boo. You have been conditioned by your culture and you have integrated that into your sense of self. And your sense of self has been integrated into your nervous system. And which means that if you do something that's anti what your nervous system knows who you are, you to be, um, then you're going to have reactivity. And so when we're doing this work, we start to distinguish between what is my nervous system reacting to out of a sense of I'm really uncomfortable because this is new. And how do we distinguish between that and I am actually literally at threat? Like there was a true threat to my person. Like I'm actually at risk of harm or death. And so I said all that to say, um, without the embodiment piece, I'm not sure that we can actually say that we're doing real work. And when I say that, Embodiment is, it's beautiful and it's multifaceted, but one aspect of embodiment that's often stepped over is how we relate to our embodied identity. Like, what does it mean for me as a black woman to walk through the world as a type eight? And how is that different from a white man who's walking through the world as a type eight? It's not going to be the same. But if the type eight man isn't aware of that, because he tends to have more societal power. He might not actually be doing his work. Ooh. So. Ooh. Ooh. Listen, th that was so rich. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like they can't see us, but I, I'm over here snapping my fingers because <laughs> it is poetic what you're saying. Like, Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm over here. Oh, agreeing tenfold. It is. Ooh. I was thinking, I, I, I often kind of say it was hard for me to find my place as an eight because 
when I looked at the types, what I saw in the eight was like a white male bully kind of person. And even when I, I don't, I don't teach the levels of health, nor do I really love that as a theory. I think that Don Riso spent a lot of time and, you know, giving us an idea of what it means to pursue health, I think is, is helpful. And the theory falls a little bit short, but what I see, even when I look at that theory is in the average levels of the type eight, um, there's almost this sense of doing things that like raising your voice is okay or, or demanding things from people is okay. I'm like, that would be squarely in the unhealthy um, range of behaviors for a type eight. But if you're mostly working with white men who have power from the patriarchy, then that is going to be seen as both normal and accepted. And I reject that patently. I just flat out reject that that is okay, that that's acceptable, that it's normal or should be accepted as normal. I, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not, what, it's not what we're doing. We're not doing that. So finding my place, you know, someone was like, well, what do you, what do you, um, how do you relate to the type eight? I'm like in the motivations and the reactivity, but my reactivity right. can't look like the, the white male because I don't have the societal power. Right. If I had privilege, I would wow out all the time. Let's be real. <laughs> but when I do it, I am seen as a threat. I'm sent to, you know, classes on how to communicate with tact. That's what happens with me. You know, a white man can do some of the same things and be seen, oh, he's kind of an a-hole, you know, but he's really moving the company forward. Mm-hmm. When I do it, I'm seen mm-hmm. as a threat who should immediately be taken care of, should be taken out of the game. So, you know, if we're not looking at this other part of our embodiment, which is how we move through the world, we are going to be missing on key parts of the work. Very true. Ooh, ooh. All right. This is so good. Oh, my goodness. We're going to come back to some of this. Something I want to highlight is... One of the reasons, like, obviously you're an incredible person and a, and a great friend, but one of the reasons I invited you in on the podcast is because I can, for me, looking at a person and how they do their inner work is, to me, truly knowing, like, are they walking the walk? Are they living the talk? You know, are they doing those things? So when I can see any facilitator, teacher, trainer, coach, whatever, doing their own inner work, like that is what when I see them like, okay, they the real deal. And that's something I value in you. Something that you have done this year, which I find to be incredible, is you have taken multiple breaks this year, like real breaks. And yes. you are at, listen, and and you embody that type eight, which taking breaks like <laughs> willingly, <laughs> it's just not a thing that shows up easily. No. So can you can you speak to like some of your inner work and that you're currently doing and how it's going yeah. for you? Yeah. Well, some of my deepest work has been this year choosing to actually rest and choosing to incorporate that into who I am and into the flow of my business. So part of being a type eight is that I can, you know, I I have this sense of invincibility, which isn't really a problem until I'm pushing my limits past like what actually is humanly possible or what should be done, like what's healthy, you know? Um, And so I can just go and go and go, or at least I could, but I, I found myself burning out quite a bit. And I was like, okay. So I, in, in 2021, I had planned some to take a vacation in April, and I knew I was going to go to a wedding in July, and, I, and I, I decided to take a week off for my birthday. So in April, when I had my week off, I ended up just doing a staycation. I was like, oh, even though I can keep going, it doesn't feel good to keep just keep going. And so I was like, what if? I took one week off 
every single month this year. And I planned out the rest of my year. Wow. With one week off every single month where I don't talk about work. I don't look at work. I have an out of office on my email when I get to it. Sometimes I don't. And I'm like, sorry, took a week off. I'm back now. Yay. (laughs) And it has been one of the best things that I've done for myself because what that gives me an opportunity to do is seeing that I, who I am, there is a, who I am outside of the things that I do. And as a type eight, type eights can easily get really caught up into the, I am what I do. I am what I advocate for. I am what I am passionate about and the action that leads me, that that leads me into. But the reality is that I am whole period. And so regardless of what I do or don't do, that I get to remain whole. And so taking this time away, taking this step back and actually just being with myself has been one of the biggest gifts because I'm like, oh, I don't have to do anything to prove myself. There's nothing I have to do to prove that I'm strong, that I'm capable, that I'm competent, that I'm whatever kind of CEO of my business that people want me to be. No, no, I just get to be. I just get to be in this moment. I read a ton of books when I took my last week off. It was amazing. Didn't look at email. Didn't think about what was next. And I came back with such a sense of being refreshed because it was just about being. And I think that incorporating a practice of being, you know, it's crucial, especially Two people who are, you know, maybe on the assertive triad, three, seven, eight. <laughs> when we don't do that, we can lose ourselves. You know, threes can lose themselves yep. in the pursuit of success. Sevens can pr- um, lose themselves in the pursuit of what will bring joy or fulfillment. And we don't want to lose ourselves. We want to be whole. And so practicing our wholeness means incorporating rest We can't move forward without it. Now, it doesn't have to be Mm -hmm. a whole week off, but without incorporating it, we will lose ourselves. And so I absolutely loved it. I have loved it. Truly. So I think think (laughs) something that's really amazing, and I completely 100,000% agree with you when you talk about a practice of being, right? Some type of practice. So for me... For a while, it was I've I've switched different things, right? You go through different layers, you grow and do different mm-hmm. things. Right now, I'm doing centering prayer, like 20 minutes of it a day. Oh yeah! Oh my goodness! Ooh. Wow! Um, How's that going, Type Seven? <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, like it, it's it's going well. Like, and I would say when I say well, let me describe what I mean by well, because that's easy. That's kind of an easy cop out for a seven. When I say it's going well, I have I I feel the I would say the rewards or the gifts, like you mentioned, of doing a practice of being. Meaning for me, that helps to settle my mind. It helps me to spend time and settle, I would say, silence and a solitude to a degree in that 20 minutes. And so it has been amazing to have that practice, even though it's not easy for me to do because it's like my body's like, no, we need to do something else. My mind's like, hey, let's talk about this. What about this? Let's plan some. Let's do plan some. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, let me do that. That'd be exciting. And I'd be like, okay, all right. And then I'd get really scattered in the brain and I'd be trying to do everything. And so that practice of being is, it's so important. Every single type, especially assertive triad, because we do get lost in our own jam, whatever we're trying to get going and do. So I, th- I think you bring up a good point for for listeners in general. It's like it's very important to have some type of practice of being, like for real, like develop one, find different ways. I love the way that you do it. Um, I'm gonna have to look into doing something like that. You said each month. I was like each month. Oh, okay, then. <laughs> Challenge <Yeah>. accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Oh my it's, goodness! It's so, it's incredible. It really is. I. 
you know, when you're start trying something, you're like, what is this really going to look like? But, and, but I have to right. be, I have to be so intentional about it because it's easy for me to be like, well, I'll just do this one thing. And then it spirals into a bunch of other stuff. But how often do we give ourselves the space to be, you know, so much creativity is just in this, sp- having this space, having spaciousness, you know, we, and for me that that's absolutely true, you know, and I just love it. I love like not having a thing to do, but also knowing that if we don't rest, what is liberation going to look like? Cause liberation is not going right. to look like hustling more for capitalism. <laughs> that's not going to be a thing. So, <laughs> So, you know, having the intentionality of, of choosing that rest is a significant, valuable, that being and just being is a significant and valuable part of how we pursue liberation. I mean, that to me, like. Yeah, I want to expand on liberation real quick because you're you're hitting a very important point, and I think this gets lost in people who are interested in the Enneagram or the Enneagram community. It's like we get so lost as a community or the community gets so lost in defining each type more specifically or in a specific way that we get lost in understanding like, yeah, to a degree, we do want to be clear on some things so we know what we're working on. But I think we get lost and stuck there and we don't move into the actual inner work that moves us to that liberation, right? Like we forget like the biggest and most important part of it. (laughs) So I think when you talk about this practice of being, and I want to hear you expand on liberation some too. But when you talk about this practice of being, one thing I notice when I do like some type of practice of being or I do something where I'm just being, this is where the liberation starts to come up for me. Because, you know, as, as buzzy and happy as I am, you know what comes up when I, when I sit my butt still? Sadness, mm-hmm. pain, all that. It starts to come up. Anger. It's like It's like, oh, <laughs> yes, grief. It's like, oh, there it is. Oh, haven't dealt with that in a while. And so... You know, being able to rest for us and having a practice of being allows for those things to actually come up so we can actually embody and experience those. Because that's a part of the human experience. Much as a seven doesn't want to feel those, right? You know, I don't want to feel those. That's a part of the human experience. And as I've as I've grown, so I've done my work, you know, I've come to respect them, I guess I would say at this point, right? And it, do more acceptance of those parts of me that are painful, that are sad, right? And to value them. That's my, like really value. And I'm, and I'm starting to see more of the how they actually bring deeper meaning, deeper purpose to my whole life and provide actual liberation and not being trapped in that seven wheel. So right. can you just... Yeah. 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 You know, part of the work that I do is about the reclamation of the fullness of our humanity. And people are like, what does that mean? (laughs) What do you mean? You know, we, uh, many of us have had such conditioning and had such messages that being human is not great, that we're trying to transcend or ascend our humanity. And I believe that when we actually get start to embrace our humanity and we are fully human, then we actually start to become free. Because mo- much of our conditioning is around this part of you does not work, so be this, do this instead. Just because it's, it's conditioned doesn't make it right, true, real, or any of those things. And so we get the chance to step outside of our conditioning and say, who, who was I really meant to be? Much of that work is, a rec- is reclamation work, is looking and saying, okay, we have been conditioned by things like white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism, imperialism. These things have conditioned us to see ourselves in a certain way or to see what it is to be human in a certain way. Part of that, much of that, much of whiteness, much of imperialism, it's, it's shaped by white Christianity. And so we can't overstep that. 
and how this idea of, you know, much of white Christianity is like that we stuff down who we are because our humanity is what got us into sin. And that's the thing that we should, we should crucify the flesh, right? We should, we should not be human. We should always be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect. And I, when I see Jesus as being fully human, I'm like, wait, hold up. What does that mean for us? Mm. Does that mean that there actually is a humanity that is something for us to, to pursue, to be, to live out? And, you know, part of being human that I see is that we have such a beautiful capacity to do good and be good and a force for good. But we also have this other stuff that drags us down. That is, you know, what some would call sin, what some would call shadow that takes us out of that. But all of those parts are valid parts of who we are. And the more we stuff down who we don't think we're supposed to be, the more we lose ourselves, the more we come, we become fragmented And liberation gives us the chance to say, oh, in my fullness, I am so much more. And I am that thing that I was avoiding. And I'm more than that. I am the totality of of myself. One of the the things that I give to clients when people go through my workshops or um, when they sign up for me is this beautiful identity exploration workbook. And one of the reasons that I love it is because I ask, like, there's like 40 markers of identity that I give people to look at and say, where wow. do you fit in? Like, what, what are the things that make you who you are? Some of those things might be flexible things. Some of the things might be like, yes, I come from a military family. You know, that, that is just true. I can't change my past. But looking at those things and looking at, oh, how, how, oh I haven't considered how this thing has shaped me, but... Now that I'm thinking about it, I I can see that it shaped me in big ways. People start to see the more fullness in who they are. And the more that we see the bigness of who we are, the more access that we have to just being fully human. Because we we weren't meant to look at one aspect of ourselves. We weren't meant to shrink ourselves, to compartmentalize ourselves, to objectify ourselves as one little thing. We were meant to take up space and to play full out. And capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, they have made us feel like the small version of us is the one that we should live into. And I'm here to say that it's not. That there is much more. That we are made to, for rest and for joy and for pleasure and for being able to move through things like shame instead of getting stuck as that with that as some kind of identity when we feel it because we don't have the tools to move through it to be able to repair harm when we've done it because our capacity to to harm is there because it's part of our humanity but so is the capacity to love and repair and restore mm-hmm. and so as we pursue all of these things we start to see ourselves as not like some good ideal, but as simply human. And I think that from there, so there's so much that becomes possible in who we are in the world and how we move through the world. Finding help for your mental and emotional struggles can be challenging. With so many barriers like cost and even feeling safe looking for a counselor can be tricky. So I know it's hard. And you know the worst part? You really don't have the time or mental space to be trying to figure out how to find a counselor when you're having personal struggles. So thanks to BetterHelp, they are built on making counseling accessible, affordable, convenient, so that anyone who's having struggles in their life can actually get the help they need at any time and anywhere, which is so important, especially now. All the professionals are licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited. And what I love so much about them is that they have a diverse group of counselors with a broad and various amounts of different backgrounds to help all their different clients. If you need some help, try BetterHelp. You can get a 10% off 
discount from your first month when you go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash D-O-I-T. You're hitting the major pillars that, especially when we talk about the cultural effect on people, on society, and how things have been normalized in a way that (laughs) we believe that that's the only way it can be or should be because we have known no other. Yeah. There definitely is much other, right? And so we have to start to be curious about, wow. What if my, like, what if I am very different? What if there are more parts to me? What if, you know, that thing I saw somebody else do, I said, I would never do something. I can't believe that. What if we were like, but I'm capable of doing that though. I actually am, you know? So I am, I am loving all of that. There's so many things that pop up in my head as you're speaking. Like I'm trying to figure out which one I want to go with. Like it's so many, seriously. It is so many. Cause I was, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just, I was just going to say one of the things that I was reading last week was about culture and the author, um, was just saying that self-awareness and cultural awareness is crucial that we actually cannot be fully self-aware if we do not have a cultural awareness, um, that we cannot actually know ourselves as valid without understanding that there are other valid ways of being in the world. That we cannot, we're not the soul, soul, it's just, it was a beautiful experience. So I just wanted to throw that out there. For those of you who have maybe have seen yourself as, you know, simply an Enneagram type or, or simply one thing, those of you who have reduced yourself, I want you to know that you're, you're so much more. And that when you actually know that, when you know how that shapes, how you move through the world, then you become more, more, you reclaim more of your wholeness that is actually already present, but you might not be present to it. And the opportunities there are, are limitless. They are endless. They are endless. I think that's one of the, the, the amazing part about it. Like when we do understand, I love how you said that book talked about, you can't truly be self-aware if you don't understand cultural awareness. Oh my goodness. I find that to be true in so many like areas and places. So I was at a good friend's, um, he had came through, it was one of my best friends, came through town and they had a, his mom threw a, a, like, you know, a, a get together and family started coming through and stuff. And I'm sitting there chilling and we're talking about, they were talking about something crazy happened in Memphis, basically a couple things. And they were talking about the individual, but they didn't understand. I kept bringing in cultural awareness context to the situation. I was like, okay, I, I agree, but it, it also, <laughs> and also <laughs> cultural context when you have less resources and not the things you really need to make sure that you're healthy, you know, or healthy in all the different ways you need to be mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, then these things do happen and we could be in that situation. And so it's, it's so, it's fascinating. Sometimes I have to, I have to not allow it to annoy me because I have to, have to be like, okay, think, have empathy. They 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 haven't learned the things you've learned, right? They haven't done right. things you think. Yep. So I have to remember that because that becomes like a, a thing that can be difficult. So even when, like you mentioned, you brought up something very important. So you brought up white Christianity. Ooh, oh, some, somebody. I was like, am I gonna some, say? Some, some, oh, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody, somebody's stomach, somebody's stomach curdled, right? Somebody's shoulders got tight. Somebody's heart beat a little fast. Did she say white Christianity? All right. So that's one of the, like, it has been part of white supremacy in America, right? When we connect, when we connected back, it has been part of it, no doubt about it. And like going to the church I go to, it's always interesting. I cannot, like, they may ask me to step up and like, like lead the young adult class. I cannot really teach without talking about like inner work Enneagram type stuff every time. Like it, it's going to come up. It's going to come up because I'm like, we have <laughs> got to really work on knowing ourselves. Right. Even yeah. before you like, yes, penetrating studying. Right. But also what are you studying? Do you like, anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to that. Like the, you, the translation of it. anyway, you, you know, this, we both know this. We talk about this offline, but the important part about it is like, okay, 
Do you understand the cultural context, one, that's happening in the biblical times of Thingarity? And right now, are you self-aware enough to say, okay, where do I line up against what's actually going on against like God, against the essence, whatever? Like, how do I line up compared to that? Not just like, oh, I need to fit in this cookie cutter box of what white Christianity has deemed to be correct or right, you know? So I'd be in there, I'd be in there bucking some systems. So people be like, okay, but they, I mean, but it's, it's food that I feel like people want really because it's liberation work. Like you said, like it's, it's food. Like to it's, it's nourishment to our soul to, to be like, oh, I can, this is a part of me. This is something that triggers me. I do have to work on this, but I can love this part of me too. These are gifts that we have in our bodies. So, oh, it's just so much. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, one of the things I I think about often is how I see just many white American Christians, you know, aligning themselves or seeing themselves as the Israelites who needed to be delivered instead of more like, you know, the Pharaoh and the people who are actually oppressing. Um, And people went, the, the reason that culture work is so important is because if you don't understand where you are, what your role is, what your positioning is, you're going to make some faulty claims. You're going to have some ways of looking at the world that are simply off base and you're going to have a false sense of who you are. And uh, I, I see it all the time and it's always disconcerting. Always. I'm like, honey, baby, what? Where you, where'd you get that from? Like, why is that the thing that you feel like you are? No, no, you are the person in, with power who is saying you other people don't get these things. Right. So, Seriously. Yeah. Being able to have diversified, like, communities of people that I know, that I've, you know, been able to be with and, and hear their real thoughts about, like, one, the Americanism that... I, I I know I carry, you know, when I, if I go to a different place or a different space outside of here, them being able to really speak to it of how it actually looks and how it actually impacts other countries around the world, like that's huge. It's it's very humbling, and so I think that's one of the other gifts when people do their inner work to be liberated. We actually begin to find humbleness, um, a deep sense of humbleness in a lot of different ways. I mean. Because that's to me, that's part of the only ways we can truly continuously be receptive to grow and to be able to liberate. It's like being more and more humble. like and and that's it, it's it's powerful, and it can be hard to do because our egos want to do something else. Our personality wants to do something else. But it's the 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 constant work of trying to make sure that, you know, we are doing things to, in through humility, right? Man, it is a whole different space, a whole different space yeah. of humanity, I feel, is unlocked <laughs> to us when we do agree. that. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Just the humility to say, like, I know that I have this experience and someone else has another experience and their experience is very valid to them, even if I don't understand it. Right. It does, you know, it doesn't take a lot. It takes practice. Yeah. But... To be able to just to, to choose to say that takes nothing from a person. You know, what am I really giving up to be able to say that person's experience of the world is valid? Oh, my sense of, of, of superiority and supremacy because of my identities? Oh, if that's the only thing I have to lose, goodbye. Good riddance. That is the very thing that's disconnecting me from my humanity and the humanity of others. So if that's what I have to hold on to, then good riddance. It is better to let it go. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. it's some it's some real it's some real liberation and freedom. Like it's like the real version of it. Like right. it's not that fake version. Well, it's like a real know, version of it. People talk about enneagram work like it's like it's this inner work that leads to outer work, and that's not an inherent thing in 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 the communities that I see. You know, if your enneagram work is not pointing you to how you are showing up in the world, right? So, understanding our inner motivations and our inner reactivity and all of those things about the enneagram, 
they directly correlate to then how we behave in the world. And if we are looking at only my inner experience of myself and not then how my experience of myself and how that behavior is shaping who I show up in the world as, if that's not, if that does not lead to me looking at that, I can't say that we're actually doing true Enneagram work. And part of that means having to look at how my privilege is shaping my expression of my Enneagram type and what I'm allowed to do and what others are not allowed to do. It's all part and parcel, but the way that the Enneagram is used as a tool to spiritually bypass means it is actually hard for some people to get to the liberation because Mm. they're so stuck. There's nowhere for them Mm. to move forward. I'm going to build on that because when you, it it reminded me of something this summer. I don't know if, I don't know if I told you specifically, because I know me and you both have been busy this summer, like in a lot of doing just a whole bunch of different things in different places and all kinds of stuff. Um, But two of the things that I got from both of my programs that I did, I did, I did like two different retreats slash certifications this summer. Mm -hmm. And they told me I need to work on my anger. And I was like, what? Anger. But it wasn't like control my anger. It was like, I don't, I, I don't right now have a healthy relationship or a healthy enough relationship with my anger. And I was like, what? I mean, it makes sense to a degree. Because if you think about a black male growing up trying to make it in the society that we do have, mm-hmm. not be, not expressing my anger, sometimes it's what keeps me safe. Yep. Right? Exactly. Or <laughs> it, it allows me to at least progress or move forward to a certain degree. And so literally two different like programs and teachers who are widely admired both said, not knowing each other, I mean, not talking to each other, were like, yeah, you need to work on that because you, you, you're you not fully showing up. And I was like, oh, hmm. oh. You, you know, because I've been working, I've been working with the fear. I've been working with the sadness. That's things I definitely know, right? That's, yeah. that's obvious seven stuff. I've, I've, I've been working with them. They messed around and said anger. And I'm like, really? Th- that has been, and I want to say that too, especially since you're eight as well. Uh, <laughs> I I'm here. I'm here for. I'm here for the anger. I'm here for the rage. All of it. All of it. Yes. And so to to speak to your point on that example, because of my identities in, in, in this world that I live in, I have not had the privilege of growing up with the capacity to share and show my anger so that I can have a normal, natural, healthy relationship with my anger to show up, right? So that means I don't always show up for myself, right? A lot of times, and maybe I don't even show up for other people in some instances because I'm afraid that something may happen to me or them, you know? So I I love that you're pointing to that and the fact that when you do like coaching or your programs, you help people find what identities do you have because it, it impacts the horizontal axis that you live on in this world. And it means a lot to know what those specific things mean. Exactly. Yeah. You're speaking to these beautiful intersections of, okay, I have this natural proclivity in my Enneagram type to avoid those uncomfortable things like sadness rage, anger, you know, grief, but also that adds up with being a black male who, if anger is expressed, you're then seen as a, even if even a healthy expression of anger with to, in it with many white people is going to be seen as a threat from a black man. It's happened to me. Yep. Multiple times. And so, you know, I I even get curious, you know, me about like, I'm going to guess most of you were in mostly white spaces, but what space do they hold for a black man's anger? You know, what does that actually look like for the people who are saying this is what you need? What does it look like for them to hold space for that? Do they actually have the space for that? Because a black man's anger is not just 2022 anger. A black man's anger is ancestral. It's guttural. It's visceral, mm-hmm. baby. It's it's intergenerational, multi-generational. So do you truly have the space for the thing that you're telling me that you see I need to bring up? Or are you just like, is it just like a, a helpful tidbit 
that you think I should just maybe consider it a little bit. Because if, if there's not the space within our Enneagram communities for those expressions, how will there be space in general society for those expressions? Mic drop. Oh, it's a big thing. Oh if our Enneagram goodness. communities can't hold these conversations and for many people of color, they don't. Many people sure. of color show up to, to these retreats and these workshops and these certifications and they put their identities aside so that they can just learn about the Enneagram. They can have this pure experience of the Enneagram. They don't show up too black, too brown, too... And they know that if they do, it's not going to be accepted. They knew that if they do, it's going to be seen as something that needs to be handled instead of something to embrace as an important part of how we express ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a leader in the Enneagram, if you have communities, are you holding space for different cultural expressions? Are you holding space for the rage of a black man? Because if you're not holding space for that, baby, people aren't getting free. True. There's only about five of us in the community right now. I mean, come on now. (laughs) 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 Um, Um. (laughs) But but something, I I guess guess that's the seven came out. Um, But it's also true, though. It's it's actually kind of true, actually. It's Um, also true. (laughs) It's it's actually kind of true. But I think one thing like you're talking about, and this is what's important to holding space and like, which is so important. So for teachers, trainers, anybody who's doing this work in general, I don't care if you're doing this work or not, you're just in a space. Learning how to hold a space and make sure the space is safe is so important. Like a lot of times you probably need to definitely go to some type of training to know how to do this, to hold space well, most likely, you know, because it doesn't come natural to most people and you have to be humble enough to hold that space because that's another part of it. One thing I told, uh, um, I told one of the teachers one, in one of the programs, I told her, I said, cause she asked, what would, what would I do differently if I ran like a program, like what they're doing? And I said, the space was, um, I would make it safer. Like it wasn't unsafe, but it wasn't safe enough for people of color. That's what I told them, and 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 they were receptive, which I'm very thankful. They were okay. receptive to it because I t- I said I said I would make this space safer because it wasn't safe enough for people of color like me, and it was like two or three other people, you know. And so I shared that, and thankfully that person was receptive to it. But yes, a I'm lot of times, a lot of times people don't uh, understand that. As people of color or anybody with a marginalized identity to fully show up, like that space needs to truly be safe, right? We got certain people who are pioneers to a degree and they're trying, you know, but it's it hurts, right, after a while. Like it, it's great to push and, and we need it and it has to happen, but how many people is your space hurting more than helping because it's not safe enough for people to truly bring all their humanity to the whole space? And if you haven't shown that safety, you're not hearing from it. So you can go on thinking that it's a-okay. But then what happens is we gather and we're like, ooh, don't, oh, don't, 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 don't sign up for that person. No, 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 no. They're not going to be able. They're not going to be able to. They're not going to. Nope. Don't do it. It We shouldn't have to have like an underground railroad. (laughs) (laughs) Not not in 2022. I know. I know. It's time. It's, it's crazy. Time. It is. I could talk to you for a whole nother hour. Like right. that, that is just how rich the information is here. And obviously I'll have you on again. Also on IG, we both we did an interview like in 2020 or something. Yeah. It was um, like June 2020, Live. <laughs> Yeah, it is still it is way still on my when. IG and I think it's on yours. Oh yeah, way back when, like when we kind of first kind of met, yeah. you know, <laughs> virtually met, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, check that out because that one that one has some fire to it, right? That, that, that has some fire because it was 2020, so we were both fired up. Yeah. Um, no <laughs> doubt about it. I have not Check that out. That. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and so... And so check um, check that out. But Jessica, how can people reach you if they want to join your programs, they want to learn coaching, what whatever you have coming up, please share yeah. that with the audience. 
The best way is definitely my Instagram. It's Jessica D. Dixon if you want the more personal spicy side or Jessica D. Dixon coaching. If you want the just the business side, this is the straight-laced, more straight-laced. I don't know if I get fully straight-laced at any point in my life. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's nope. a little bit nope. closer if you want that. And yeah, I right now I have a few workshops coming up. Um, I'm taking one-on-one clients. I have a community for people who are socialized female called Life on Vulnerability. It's a six-month Enneagram anti-racism embodiment program. So if you if you feel like you are ready to step into the work. There's so many opportunities that I'm offering. And I encourage you to actually just accept them to not let them pass you by because you don't want life to pass you by baby. And this is how we do it. This is, we, we pursue liberation through our education, through our embodiment. And these are amazing opportunities for you. I mean, I speak very highly of myself because I believe in the power of the work that's being done because I have seen the, the, the different lives that my clients are getting to live because of this work that's being done. I see nervous systems shift and change and have bigger capacity to actually change the world, to call out the people in their family who say racist-ish without fear because they know that their nervous systems are safe and that they are safe. But this comes from the work. So... You know, for anyone who might be like, I'm not sure about this, you know, anti-racism or any of that stuff, I encourage you to just step in, to take a step, to be courageous, because on the other side is so much more than you could ever actually even imagine. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And And I encourage everyone to check out Jessica's different IG website the program she has coming up, please check those out. She's doing amazing things um, in the community and in the world. And yes, her her IG is spicy. <laughs> it's spicy, but in, but in a a loving, shifting the the world in a healthier, more progressive, more humane, loving way. Yes, hundred and ten percent. There is only so love. There is only love there. There is only love. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Thank you so much for being on. I love every time we get to talk. It is just it's a wealth of information and knowledge. And it is just empowering, I would say, when you speak. So well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate you and who you are in the world. And I'm grateful that we get to be friends. So Awesome. Awesome. All right. So for those who are listening, thank you so much for listening. Uh, We're wrapping up this episode. And if you feel yourself maybe being triggered, your nervous system being triggered, take a deep breath, check in with your body, be a little curious, resource yourself if needed, and do it for the gram, the Enneagram, of course, and make a better choice for yourself and your community. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye.